Hey, Soma Midtown, this is Brandon Shields, and today is Wednesday, June 3rd. Welcome to another episode of our podcast initiative designed to help you practice the way of Jesus together in a time of global pandemic. Today, I want to continue our conversation on spiritual formation and racial justice and reconciliation. We started that yesterday by kind of remembering how we got to where we are as a country in terms of racial injustice, and we explored concepts of race versus ethnicity and kind of our, our history and how spiritual formation can help uh, reform and reshape our um, sense of cultural identity and disciple us out of um, false understandings and uh, disciple us into a more biblical understanding of race and um, what it looks like to be reconciled and to pursue justice together. And so this morning, I want to um, read to you from Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, um, where Paul writes this, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And what does it look like to bear one another's burdens when it comes to racial injustice? In a time when there's so much racial trauma, I think this is like one of those opportunities uniquely that the church has to be a place where wounded people um, can find healing through bearing each other's burdens. I mean, what, where else are you going to go? Um, we live in a moment where there's so much rage, um, and it's really oftentimes a rage without redemption. And man, just where else are you going to go to find a, a space where you can truly bear one another's burdens and in doing so become a place where we hold the tensions of life and we experience true and deep and lasting change um, and healing for one another. To, to understand what it means to bear burdens, um, you, you have to kind of look at the language here in Galatians. And there's a contrast in verses one through four between uh, what Paul calls a, a load and a burden. Now, a load, um, this word here is, Paul says, each person has to carry their own load. That word load is the word for a pack or a backpack that you would carry around. And this is kind of synonymous for Paul with just the ordinary struggles of life. Like all of us have those daily struggles of fear and pride and anger and sin and wounds and limitations that um, we, we are responsible for carrying that um, nobody else can carry for us. Nobody else can fix in us. We have to carry those. And, um, and he contrasts that with what he calls a burden. This word burden is just the sense of an overwhelming difficulty that's just too heavy psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally for us to carry it alone. And this idea of bearing a burden um, kind of has the idea of imagine somebody walking and carrying something that was just overwhelming and they're hunched over and they're about to fall over to the ground and someone comes alongside them and literally puts their shoulder and their body up under this weight to distribute that weight. And the implication is that we then too begin to suffer alongside someone. There's a suffering with that is implicit here in the idea of, of uh, bearing a burden. And so one of the things we need to understand in terms of bearing racial burdens with others, um, in particular, I've been thinking about George Floyd, we have to understand that this is an overwhelming difficulty. Like this is a daily reality for people 
with black and brown skin. And it has been for 400 years. Like this isn't just about the death of one black man at the hands of one white police officer. This is triggering a, a tidal wave. It's symbolic of 400 years of black and brown people. When they, when they hear George Floyd say, eke out the words, I can't breathe. It is symbolic of 400 years of them saying, we can't breathe under the weight of racial violence and oppression and humiliation. This is a crushing burden um, carried over many generations that, that can't be and shouldn't be carried alone. And so the question for, for us and our church that I want us to wrestle with at SOMA uh, in terms of our own spiritual formation is what does it look like in our church, which is predominantly white right now, um, to carry those burdens for black and brown brothers and sisters? And we do have some in our church who, uh, for whom this is an overwhelming reality. It is crushing their souls. It is choking the life out of their spirituality out of their ability to just function like literally the trauma of just trying to go to work trying to do normal tasks trying to live life while watching these videos and being flooded with so much emotion each day it's 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 heavy and so i want to suggest just a couple of things um that i think uh are going to need to happen if we're going to truly carry one another's burdens here um, the first thing that has to happen, I think, is four things I want to mention here. The first thing that has to happen is that we have to move from a posture of pity to one of solidarity. And what I mean by a posture of pity is what I often hear from uh, people in our church when something like this happens. And again, it's well-intended, but it can be just as hurtful um, and just as unhelpful is um, kind of the first movement is to feel bad for what's happening and to kind of see this as um, um, like this, this is me and this is you. And so we reach out to somebody, we reach out to a, a brother, sister, black and brown uh, skin. And we say, you know, I'm sorry that this is your reality. We text them. I'm sorry that this has happened to uh, black people across this country. And and there's this sense of separation or, or pity that's like, well, that's your reality. And I'm sorry that that's your reality. And, um, and there has to be a movement like that. That's not theologically, that's actually not true, right? Like we, we are not um, individuals who happen to go to church together. Um, there has to be a movement from, I'm sorry, this is your reality to, I lament that this is our reality, a movement from me and you as separate individuals to we, like a deep identification with one another. Um, to think first Corinthians 12, right? We're a body, we're interconnected, right? And when one part of the body suffers, Paul says, we all suffer. And so when these events like George Floyd happen in our country, um, particularly in the case of George Floyd, because he was a follower of Jesus, right? We have pictures of him holding up a Bible. He uh, did so much good for so many people. And when these things happen, um, we, th- we need to think of this as if it's happened to our own family, if it happened to our own parents, our own sisters, our own children, because that's what Paul says. Like if one of your brothers and sisters is hurting, imagine that that hurt is your own hurt. And so that solidarity of saying, no, this is our reality. And what are we going to do about this? And how do we lament this? And how do we, how do we, how do we show true empathy towards one another? 
um, understanding that we are a body. And that solidarity is the first movement, understanding this person is my own flesh um, and that I need to see them as we, not as just me and you. Solidarity um, then leads to the second thing, which is proximity. If I understand that we we are a unit, that we are a body, um, it, it's an invitation to draw near, right? Proximity is just being close. And in order to understand and to see somebody's burden, we have to be close enough to them to understand the burden, right? To ask questions, to listen. We have to be in relationship to discern what is the burden and how can I come alongside? Oftentimes people in trauma don't even know what the burden is. They don't know what it is that they that they need. Um, they're so distraught. They're so um, uh, fearful. They're so angry um, that they can't even articulate what the burden is. And so we have to be able to embed ourselves in relationships with people, be close enough to to listen, to learn, to be curious, to be open, to not make assumptions about um, a person just because of the color of their skin or because they belong to a certain uh, ethnic group. Um, We have to embed ourselves not only in relationships, but I think in larger networks of people of color so that we are careful not to fall into stereotypes or monoliths about the experiences of a particular group of people, right? Like people are complex and even within an ethnic group, within a racial group, right? Um, All black people, all brown people are not the same. There's complexity um, and each of us experiences life in a different way. And so we need to not assume that everyone is thinking the same thing, feeling the same way, acting the same way. And that kind of complexity demands deep and consistent presence where I show up and I ask questions and I I can just be with you without... um, without making assumptions about your reality. So proximity is huge. The third thing I would encourage us to think about in terms of bearing burdens is, is we have to create safety in our relationships cross-culturally. Um, a couple decades ago, a researcher, now Harvard professor, Amy Edmondson, coined this term psychological safety um, to describe the, um, the, the creation of a shared belief that it's, it's okay and it's safe to be able to raise tough issues with other people. She looked at high-performing teams, and that was one of the key factors in the performance of, high, of high-achieving teams is that they, they felt psychological safety with each other. Um, and she said there's three kind of aspects of psychological safety. The first is trust. We have to be able to trust that this person is for me, that um, I can trust their character, that they have my best intentions in mind, that they're not trying to harm me, right? Trust is, is huge. Um, the second thing is vulnerability. She said we have to be able to um, be vulnerable and to share our failures. Like we're going to get this wrong, especially when it comes to racial issues. We're going to get this wrong, and we have to be able to acknowledge and to say, "Yeah, I blew that," or "Hey, I I wasn't there for you," and I'm I'm sorry. And that vulnerability builds trust and um, allows us to be authentic in our relationships with each other. And then the third thing she said that creates psychological safety is having clear norms, right? Having an understanding of how we're going to act with one another and having essentially like a social contract. Like when these things happen, here's how we're going to engage. You know, here's how we're going to show up for each other. All of that converges to create um, psychological safety. And that kind of safety is huge in these conversations, right? Like we have to be able to move beyond 
um, fragility, right? I'm particularly thinking of white people here. We, we are very fragile in this space because we have not had to have these conversations. Many of us have had the privilege of not having to have these conversations um, for our entire lives. Like we grew up in church and we grew up in context where this was not um, our reality. We did not have to, to face and confront um, the dark side of, of uh, privilege and racial injustice and these kinds of things. And so if we're going to be authentic with one another, we have to move uh, beyond weakness to be able to have real conversations. I was talking to one uh, black sister in our church recently this week. She said, I just want to be able to show up in these conversations with my white brothers and sisters and bring my full self and feel like I don't have to cordon, I don't have to censor, I don't have to filter, but I can really bring my authentic and full self to the conversation. And man, that that should be true of all of us. We want to be able to bring our full selves and feel safe with one another, that I can trust you when I share this information, um, that it can be held in this community where we can weep with those who weep. We can mourn with those who mourn. We can be angry with those who are angry. And it's a safe place to do that. I don't have to feel like I'm going to be re-traumatized in the context of the church. The last thing that I'll just mention here is um, advocacy. As we as we get into relationship with one another and we begin to bear their burdens, it should move us to want to work for change, right? We we want to we want to work to as Isaiah fifty eight says. He says, "What is the fast that God chooses? It's not um, it's not just getting together and having religious services and doing religious things." He says, "the the the vision I have for my people is that they would." Um, loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the straps of the yoke and let the oppressed go free, that they would work to change the social conditions that create these injustices in the first place. It's not enough just to see an injustice, to see someone struggling. We should be people who work for um, gospel-driven change. And so it's been encouraging to see that happening in our church, um, to see people prayer walking together. Like two folks from our church went out the other night um, before the protests were happening and they actually got tear gas as they were walking around praying over this. Like there's a cost for them standing out and praying over our city. Um, that's advocacy. Showing up at peaceful protests together, right? Like that's, that's advocating for our brothers and sisters, right? Protesting is not the same thing as rioting, right? We, we are Protestants who are part of a long tradition of protesting injustices and protesting heresies. And this is a gospel heresy. This is, this is a false gospel about what it means to be truly human. So we show up for one another. We advocate. We, uh, I've seen people writing letters to uh, the police chief and writing letters to government officials. That is, that is appropriate in this moment where we want to work to uh, change some of the conditions that continue to perpetuate racism uh, and, and racial violence and oppression in our society. And so four things, solidarity, proximity, safety, and advocacy. Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So I want to encourage you as you're thinking about those in your networks, those in your circles, those in your missional community, those in your discipleship groups. I just want you to be asking the question this week, asking God today, who can I show up for? Who, whose burden, God, are you calling me to bear this week? How can I bear their burdens? How can I move beyond just pity to solidarity? How can I move from distance to proximity? How can I move from, um, from uh, being a threat to creating a safe environment? How can I, I move from indifference to advocacy? God, who are you calling me to bear 
burdens for this week. That is our calling. That is our invitation as followers of Jesus. And I pray that God's spirit would empower us to look around, to begin to to build deeper relationships so that we can show up and bear one another's racial burdens in a time where there's so much trauma, so much pain. What a huge opportunity we have as the church to be a community that bears one another's burdens. Grace and peace to you as you go throughout the rest of this day.